Hey everyone, welcome to Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life podcast. I'm your host, Brie Marie from livingbrilliant.com. I'm a blogger, online course creator, a mindset and success strategist, and now a podcast host. This podcast is all about how our mindset creates the reality of every aspect of our lives, from money, to relationships, to careers, to entrepreneurship, and even our health and wellness. I know firsthand just how powerful our mindset is, and just how easy it can be to get lost in the complexities of life. Through my own journeys with anxiety, a tough career transition, building a blog from scratch, and a super shaky start with online entrepreneurship, I've been able to connect with experts, coaches, entrepreneurs, and other bloggers from all around the world who are now excited to share their transformational stories and mindset shifts with you. So let's jump in. Hello! Welcome back to a new episode of Change Your Mindset, Change Your Life. It's Brie. It's me. My first and last name rhyme, Brie Marie. Um, (laughs) So today, I hope it doesn't bother you guys when I say the word um. Does that annoy people? I feel like it's a filler obviously, just like the word like is. Um, now you guys are going to be counting my likes and my ums throughout the entire, for all of my podcasts now. Um, isn't it funny like how when you point something out like that to someone, then they start noticing it. But if you never pointed it out, they would have never noticed. Like I have a mole. It's like a tiny little mole on the right side of my face. Here goes my dog. Hey, come here. I have a mole on the right side of my face. And if you like were to ask someone like, oh, does Brie have any like big blemishes on her face? Probably no one would point that out. But now that I like when I tell people they're like, oh, yeah, I never noticed that before. I mean, the same goes for like if someone, you know, point something out about themselves that like you wouldn't notice unless (laughs) they told you. Isn't that kind of funny how that works? Anyway, that's not what this podcast is about, like, at all. Um, This podcast is all about why delivery matters. So today, or not today, technically, it was like Sunday. (laughs) Um, I interviewed my good friend, Karen Hoffman, who I actually met on Shaper. And Karen and I actually, like I said, we met on Shaper and we just became really good friends. And if you don't know what Shaper is, we're going to talk about it in the episode, but we basically call it like if Tinder and LinkedIn had a baby. That's the little reference analogy that we're going to go, that we're going to run with. We talk about what it is like the beginning of the episode. So just hang tight. Um, but yeah, we totally hit it off and we just have some really great conversations. And Karen has a really diverse background history. So she was in the military, she worked in law enforcement, and now she's an insurance claim adjuster. She's also going back to school to get her degree in psychology. Oh, in psychology. I legit just had a hiccup in psychology. So she has a very diverse 
work history and she's also now a life coach and I just I really love Karen I think that we just have some of the most interesting conversations that can go in so many different directions but we have a lot we hold a lot of the same values which I think is why I don't think I know that is why we have stayed connected past the first time that we we talked to each other. So in this episode, me and Karen discuss how to find your passion and especially find your passion when you're working a nine to five job. You guys send me emails all the time saying, Brie, how do I find my passion in life? I'm looking for my passion. I'm looking for fulfillment. And I get it. I totally get it. And Karen and I talk about how it's a lot of trial and error and just going out and trying new things. And we hopefully give you some super helpful tips on how to find your passion. It's not just sitting and wishing and hoping and wanting to have your passion just show up in your lap. Um, We also talk about delivery and why it matters and keeping a healthy perspective and knowing your audience when you're delivering an important message. And we communicate, when I say message, I don't mean that you have to be like a public speaker or be on a podcast or anything. We are sending messages every single day. Anytime that you interact with someone, you are sending a message, whether you're having a face-to-face conversation, whether you're on the phone, whether you're sending a text or an email, you are delivering a message of some sort. And so Karen and I go into why delivering those messages in a way that their purpose, the the person is more focused on the message rather than your delivery is more important. We also talk about how to become more self-aware because that's like a hot keyword right now. Hot keyword, keyword. It's a hot word. What am I trying to say? You guys know what I mean. (laughs) Um, Self-awareness is like a word that's just really going around where people are like, the self-awareness is so important and like healthy emotional IQ. I totally agree. I don't know why I do those little condescending voices. Um, (laughs) But self-awareness is so important as we just discussed. But how do you become more self-aware? I don't think it's reading books. I don't think it's uh, watching TED Talks. Um, Karen and I get into that as well. So hopefully this episode is helpful for you guys. I'm sure it will be. Um, But all of Karen's links will be in the episode description below. So you can swipe up if you are an iTunes podcast user. Um, If you are a Spotify listener, I believe you click the episode and it will show the description. If you're on any other platform, I can't help you. We're available on 11 platforms, you guys. So I haven't been on all of them. I probably should. And I just applied to be on a couple of other ones. So hopefully cross off fingers that we get approved. I'll let you guys know what those ones are when we do get approved. But yeah, hopefully you guys enjoy this episode. I will talk to you on Friday. All right. Thank you guys so much for listening. Be well, be grateful, be kind, love you, mean it. Bye. Hi Karen, how are you? Hi.
Um, so Karen and I know we met on Shaper. I've talked about Shaper a lot, like, especially because I found really amazing people to connect with and be on the podcast. But then like Karen and I just like totally hit it off as friends. Yes. (laughs) And we basically talk every week. So, (laughs) which I'm not complaining. I like our conversations. No, I love our conversations. Um, but yeah, Karen and I, like I said, we met on Shaper. And if you don't know what Shaper is or you haven't heard what Shaper, me talk about Shaper, it's basically a networking app. Like, it's kind of like, I keep comparing it to Tinder, but for networking. So it's more, I mean, it can be all types of networking. So if you're someone who's like running a startup and you're looking for investors, there's investors on there, there's startups, there's coaches, there's financial representatives. I mean, there's MLM people on there. Like it's any, it's anything having to do with like the business world and just formulating connections on there. So you like swipe left or swipe right. You have like a profile, you can attach like links to your website and all of that um, on your Shaper profile. So Karen and I matched and then we just started having like a really, we just started talking and then it just, our friendship kind of developed from there. Uh, absolutely. <laughs> it's been really cool. And you know, it's funny that you talk about um, Shaper and Tinder. I actually, the first article I ever read about it said that um, it is Tinder meets LinkedIn, which I think is kind of a, a, a pretty accurate <laughs> description. <laughs> yeah, no, it really is. But like, I feel like LinkedIn, I mean, I haven't been on LinkedIn in like two or three years because I used it so much when I was in recruiting. And when you put recruiter as your title in LinkedIn, like you get so many requests because people think like that you can help them get jobs, which like you can. So like, I haven't been on it in a while, but I was like, I feel like LinkedIn is so like businessy oriented and Tinder or Tinder (laughs) (laughs) is like, um, it's more networking. It's networking. Like yeah. even like I've met, I've hired people from Shaper. People have hired me. So it's just like, it's so, I feel like it's so diverse. And I think I heard about it from a good friend of mine. And then you were like, I had just got on it. And that's when I connected with you. And I think like you were one of the only reasons why I like stayed on it was because <laughs> like, well, I met Karen. Like there has been <laughs> Karens in the world, right? <laughs> Aw, thank you. Yeah, it's, um, I've, I've had a handful and really, you know, that's, that's a blessing in and of itself, but a good handful of people that I've met. Um, but by far our friendship has been the absolute best. Like I love, you know, the impact we have, like the conversations, like I said, um, we just, we have a similar perspective. Um, mm-hmm. but we can just, it doesn't matter what we share. It doesn't matter what the opinion is. You know, we respect each other's opinions and it's just awesome. I like having those meaningful conversations. Yeah. Cause like, even when we don't agree on something, it's not like a, it's totally cool. Like, it's yeah, okay. it's like, Oh yeah. Like, okay. <laughs> like how it should be. Yeah. That which, okay. So the whole p- purpose of us having this episode is because we wanted to talk about delivery and how it matters in delivering your message. But yes. Before we jump into that, Karen, why don't you tell us a little bit more about what it is that you do? 
Um, I am, I, I have a very diverse work background. Um, she does. Mil <laughs> military, law enforcement. Um, I've done the MLM, you know, home-based businesses. I worked at Target for a few months. Um, but my day job right now is a work comp claims examiner, but my passion is life coaching. And on top of that, I'm getting my bachelor's in psychology, and then I'll be moving on to my master's in industrial psychology. Um, I find the health of a workplace to be super important and super fascinating both at the same time. Um, we spend like half our waking hours at work. We shouldn't dread the day. And so many people wake up and they're just miserable. And I remember, and I was kind of feeling that way. And I'm like, okay, something's got to be different. So I started making changes in my life. Um, and somebody called me their life coach. And I was like, well, hmm, let me, let me kind of ponder that one for a minute. So, because I like sharing what I'm learning with those around me. Um, especially now that I'm, you know, knee deep in um, my psychology classes. There's so much that I'm learning. So uh, that's, that's what got me into life coaching. Um, and I really... Uh, I love it. I thrive off of it. I thrive off the connection with other people and watching their aha moments and the joy of knowing that I got to be a part of that. And so what were some of the things that you were feeling when you were like, like with going to work every day? And Cause like, I mean, I've, I've, if anyone's ever listened to this podcast, they already know my whole <laughs> spiel right and what that was like for me but I'm always curious about like other people's experiences and what was like the foundation for you really wanting to improve your life and what you were doing it's well because there was a part of me that just kind of felt like because the, the my day job pays really well um it affords me the opportunity to live in South Orange County which is a tremendous blessing um and it almost feels like the trade-off is, well, you can't enjoy your job and, and make a lot of money at it. Like there's this mentality of that that exists out there. And I kind of had started to buy into it. But I had one friend of mine look at me and said, I don't see you staying in this career because you're so much of a people person, which is that, you know, that initial seed, um, which kind of just made me take a step back and evaluate because every morning I was dreading my day. And that's, like super depressing. Um, you know, life shouldn't be, you know, so much dread and so much. I mean, yeah, we're going to have struggles. Yeah, there's going to be stress. Yeah, there's going to be, you know, conflict, but it shouldn't be every single day. So what did that dread feel like? It's just, it was a heaviness. Um, it was like an anxiety, like a, in the pit of my stomach, mm -hmm. um, not wanting to get up in the morning. Um, you know, just wanting to hit snooze. 10 more times, <laughs> um, right. you know, it's like, do I really have to get up? Um, you know, because I tend to, my shift, um, was, is from seven in the morning till four. So I get in and you know, so sometimes things, you know, get put on my desk after I leave. So like, what am I going to walk into when I get to work today? Like what mistakes are going to be pointed out to me? Um, and that, you know, and cause that's just, that's that anxiety that well, up and it's you know that knot in the pit of your stomach you don't want to eat but you need to eat um, you know and then I have those other moments where I'm stress eating because I have so much to do and it's interesting I've, I've figured out the difference between I'm feeling anxious and when I'm feeling stressed and when I'm you know anxious has so much of that unknown 
and the stress has, you know, just there's so much to do and I don't know how I'm possibly going to get everything done. And so I was battling between those two emotions. Yeah, definitely. I totally relate to that feeling, like the pit in your stomach. That was me literally every morning too. I would actually drive to work with a like grocery bag next to me because I thought I was going to throw up like almost every morning. Mm -hmm. Like it's just a a different, like, I don't even like exactly. It's kind of hard to articulate, but I know exactly like I know how you were feeling just because like I've been there too. So yeah, so that's when I took it. And I had another friend of mine ask me, well, what would you do if you could do anything and money wasn't an option? And I didn't have an answer for that question. And I'm, you know, some people don't have answers and then they just move on with their life. Me, you ask me a question like that and I'm like oh I need to get to the bottom of that one um mm. and so that it it sent me about a year-long journey of me trying to figure out um what I'm really passionate about and that's kind of that and so many people don't have like an idea of what they're passionate about. we're we all have it we just some of us haven't discovered it yet and when you don't know what that feels like you don't realize what you're missing but as soon as you that passion clicks it like lights that fire. And for me, that was getting, that was uh, getting involved in the psychology classes and like the stuff that I was learning. And then I've, you know, I'm working full time. I'm in school full time. My classes are a month long, but it's an entire semester in one month. And I'm still maintaining a 3.7 because it's so fascinating, so interesting. And I love what I'm learning and I love how we can apply it not only to my life, but to my coaching business. Right. Yeah. Passion is like, I think we hear that a lot, like find what you're passionate about and like find fulfillment in your work. And I feel like it's so difficult to tell that to someone. It's cliche. I think it's to the point where it's so cliche. People just kind of shine it on until they actually experience it. And then you understand what the hype's all about. Yeah. Like for me, I have to set really, really strict boundaries with work because like for me this doesn't feel like work like I could do this all day and like not be like oh I'm working I mean obviously there's part of the business where I'm like I don't want to do it (laughs) absolutely (laughs) but like 90% of the time like I could like hours go by and I don't even realize it and Um, that to me is how it should be yeah we're all created to have that niche and we just have to find it yeah and like I think people people have this expectation or not expectation but this belief that having a job that you're really passionate about and finding fulfillment in the work that you're doing is such a far away thing like a far away concept that like only like the super rich or super successful or like really talented people can have that type of life. And it's like, no, like you could still have your day job. And like what you're saying, like you going to school, like that brings you so much joy and so much fulfillment. Like you could be working on the side. You could have something on the weekends. Like it doesn't have to be like, I think if you're, if you're the type of person who's like, I need that stability and, and a paycheck and I need like the benefits and like that, I mean, not that there's anything wrong with that. People have children, totally different right. circumstances right. for everyone. Like you still need to find something that brings you some type of fulfillment or passion if you, if you're not finding that in your workplace. Right. 
and then that, that's why I still have my day job because I, I do have responsibilities and I do have commitments and I can't just jump ship and be a coach as much as I would love to. Right. So I'm working on building it on the side until I get to the point where I could, I could make that shift or who knows, look at it. You know, I, I could get into a position within the work comp industry that feeds, you know, my passion, you know, leadership is, is a huge passion of mine, which is the industrial psychology is so fascinating to me. There's, there's a leadership element to it. So, you know, if I get into a leadership role within that industry that I might find my happy place and then be perfectly fine and content. I don't know. I, you know, and that's, and that's the other thing is like, I, I'm open to the different possibilities as I continue getting my degree, both undergraduate and then on to my graduate, just to see what possibilities are out there. You know, right. There, there might be something I haven't discovered yet. And then that light bulb clicks on. Yeah. You just never, like, I think it's so interesting too, like how you were saying you've had such a diverse background, especially with work experience, like being in the military, working in law enforcement. And now you were saying working at at Target for a couple of months and now (laughs) doing what you're doing and like trying to transition. Like, I honestly think that that's so beneficial because it really Mm -hmm. gives you a full picture of things that like you actually enjoy. Like, I think you have to try. Like no one wakes up one morning and is like, you know what I'm really passionate about? I'm really passionate about ballet. Like it's something that like you have to try a bunch of different things to find the thing that really lights you up and like really gets you going. It doesn't just like come overnight. I kind of equate it like um, trying on clothes, you know, an outfit might look nice on the rack, but it's not until you try it on that you're like, Ooh, that really doesn't work. Or wow, that looks even better than I expected it to. Oh, I love that. Yeah. Yeah. That that light bulb clicked down for me. And I had to go through that process. Like I said, it took me a year before I realized that, you know, I I wanted to um, get my my bachelor's in psychology because that was what I had intended on doing years and years and years. Like out of high school, I had thought I was going to be either a psychologist or a prosecuting attorney. And it was almost like I kind of went backwards into things that had interested me over my lifetime. And it was that concept. It was kind of like, try it out. Nah, I don't want to go through that. No, I don't want to work on that. You're like, that's not as interesting as I thought it was going to be. And then I got into the, taking the psychology classes. And I'm like, oh, all right, this, this is my passion. Right. So if you, if someone is working a nine to five and they're feeling that dread when they wake up in the morning and they're like, my job definitely doesn't provide this fulfillment, this passion, this light that I'm, that I feel like I really want. What would you say to them? Cause it's not a matter necessarily of understanding what's going to be, you're going to be passionate about, but you know, like what characteristics, like I was talking to somebody, um, I was on a coaching call the other day and um, I asked her about like some of the things that make her the happiest. Like, where does she find, like, what makes her smile? What, you know, brings her joy or peace or happiness? And she talked about, um, you know, connecting with others, nurturing. So that would be to me, the starting is getting to those characteristics or the scenarios where you do start seeing joy and what's the commonality in that. And then finding um, options that might relate to that. I love how you said characteristics. Because it yeah. really does boil down to that. Like for, for me, I always said like, oh, I want to help people. I want to help people. And I thought like human resources was, was the best way to go about that. 
Mm-hmm. And then when I got into it, I was like, oh no, <laughs> right. uh, this isn't for me. And I quick, like I quickly got out of it. Um, but again, like everyone's circumstances are so different. So I think it's just a really tricky line. I see it all the time where people are like, quit your day job, quit your nine to five. And I'm like, that's not like I had, it's not smart. yeah, it's not smart. I have the ability to do it because I wasn't married and I didn't have kids. I didn't have student debt. I, my car, I had already paid off my car. So it was like, my expenses were really low. It was something that I could do. And that there was also like a part of me that was just like, I just have to do this, you know? Right. So like, you almost have to get to a point where like, what's that saying? Like, I can't even think of it. <laughs> like the me, like the means are greater than the ends or the ends. Oh, the, the ends justify the means. Yeah. 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 That's how I felt. Right. <laughs> Even though I didn't know what that phrase was, but that's how I felt. It's, it's an individual decision, but uh, yeah, and it's there. There, you don't have to like abandon your responsibilities. Nobody is. Nobody should be advocating that for anyone. Um, you can do it smartly, like you know, getting involved in things part time, um, or even you know, kind of like on an intern basis. Um, and kind of start getting some experience um, to put yourself in a position where you can make that shift. And people can't expect to change an entire industry career making what they were making in the other year, the previous industry. You know, you've got to be realistic to the fact that if you're starting in a new industry, you're going to have to start at the bottom of that totem pole. You know, your experience might count for something in, you know, your past life experience might account for something, but you can't expect to be making the same thing. And I think people have to be realistic with that. You know, you might be pursuing your passion, but you have to be realistic. Right. I was definitely not realistic. So I totally agree with this. I thought like, <laughs> oh, I'm going to be making six figures in like three months. Um, <laughs> really, that was my thought process. And then I had my first course that flopped and no one bought it. And I was like, oh, shit. Right. <laughs> Like, oh, there's a lot of work to do and a lot of learning and there's always a steep learning curve. But I think that's like where me and you have a lot of similarities is I think we just both enjoy the process of learning. Yes. Like period, the end, like I'm the happiest when I'm learning. If I'm not learning, I'm bored. (laughs) Right. And then, and it's not only it's the learning, but then where that fits in the puzzle pieces of my life. Like I literally see my life as like a jigsaw puzzle. And then I say, I see this piece. I'm like, oh, that's where that fits. Okay, cool. Yeah, yeah. Like how, like, well, I think like what you're doing right now with your, with your degree and the, and the classes that you're taking is just so interesting because mm-hmm. you're learning to apply them to. You get, I, I'm going back and getting my bachelor's and I started at the age of 45. And, but I'm getting so much more out of it than I would had I done this 18 20 some odd years ago um because this is you know it's like I know what my passion is and I think too many people go to college and get to their bachelor's and whatever sounds good because that's what's expected of everybody and I don't see anything wrong with taking a pause maybe after getting your associates because you need to knock those gen ed classes out of the way anyway but taking a pause and making sure you know what you want to learn about. Like, I don't see anything wrong with that. Like I know some parents are probably going to be 
having a stroke right now. <laughs> so many, you know, they want their kids to go to school, you know, and get their degree because that's just, that's become the new American dream. Go to school, get your degree, get a job, get married, have kids, retire, die. Yeah, that was my life plan. And then I, and then, yeah, it did not go as, as expected. And then that's when I had just like an existential crisis. Cause I was like, what, like, I, I literally asked myself those same questions that you were talking about earlier. Like, what is my purpose? Like, what brings me fulfillment? How mm-hmm. am I making an impact? What type of person do I want to be? Like, how am I treating, like, who's going to, like, I would literally think like, when I die, like, what are people going to say about me? And I wasn't going to be like, oh, she was a really great HR assistant. (laughs) 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 You know, like I was like, oh my gosh. So, I mean, I think that that's like this plague that is really spreading itself with like my generation. And I think Mm -hmm. like, I mean, you have children that are like around my, around like this age too, like my demo is between like 19 and 32-ish, 35-ish. My my oldest is 18, but he's fortunate enough that he knows what he wants to do. He figured out as a freshman in high school, he wanted to be an architect. And he he has his like, through his doctorate mapped out. Like obviously, you know, he realizes things may change, but like he's got a general plan through his doctorate. And it's impressive. Yeah. but, but not, not everyone, everyone. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> not everyone has that. And there's yeah. nothing wrong with that. And I think that's part of my issue. And I had a conversation with a coworker who um, her, her son's dad was so mad that he, he wanted to uh, drop out of school. And I'm like, let him have some time to figure out what he wants to go to school for. Then he's actually going to get the value of the money spent instead of just paying, you know, 130 some odd dollars for a piece of paper. Yeah, I agree. I agree with that. I just don't think like I was literally like college, not going to college was not an option for me. Right. Like, and I think a lot of people <laughs> are in that situation or feel like they're, you know, they have a pressure from either their parents or, you know, somewhere in their demographic or, you know, maybe if they're already married and they're tough, you know, there, there is this societal pressure um, to get a degree. And I was successful long before I started going back to get my bachelor's, you know, even in the work comp industry, I was, I've been promoted four times in the three years I've been at my current company with only an associate's degree. It is possible. I I agree. I think that we put way too much emphasis on people who have college degrees, but let's talk about delivery. So why does delivery matter? It's, well, I have my experience and I've mentioned this before. I I have experience with it on both sides uh, of the fence and it matters because um, your message is, is, gonna get lost if people are offended by your delivery like they're gonna get like an if if you think of it like the LA traffic during rush hour the message is gonna get stuck you know and you're never gonna get to your destination because you're, you're stuck in traffic it's it's a very similar delivery is the same way if your delivery is offending the individuals you're talking to they're not even gonna understand hear, or pay any attention to your message and so I had the experience of doing that and I could see like when it happened like the look on people's faces they would give me this look like 
I just slapped them across the face, but I had no idea what I was doing that was causing it. Like I didn't, it didn't click. And then, um, I offended somebody. This was when I was in law enforcement. I offended somebody at work and I was talking to a coworker who was in the room when they were discussing it, her and somebody else were discussing it. And that's when the girl said, Karen knows what she's talking about. She knows what she's doing. She knows her stuff. You just kind of have to ignore her delivery to focus on her message. And that Yikes. was that, aha, uh-huh, I know. And it's like, I wasn't, I didn't, it got relayed to me, but it was one of those moments where I was like, oh, now I get it. Like I needed that message to get to me so that I can, you know, even for me, even when the delivery stings, I still try and focus on what can I get out of that message. Um, maybe because I've been on both sides. I've been on the offending party side. I know I didn't, I never meant to offend anybody, but it's just the way I worded things. I sometimes just found the absolute worst way <laughs> to do it. Um, so, and now on the receiving, now they've been on the receiving end of it. it it's a totally different, but I, I see it so much clearer now um, how important that is. But I think our, Delivery gets clouded in our perception, um, our perception of the other individual. Um, you know, if we have hangups about them personally, then the way we talk to them is going to be, you know, we might word it something totally differently. Um, right. I had an assistant for about a year who she was the type of person that I used to offend very easily. Like she's kind of got a tender heart. And I, I have that, you know, that military law enforcement, very direct, um, very to the point kind of um, delivery sometimes. And, but I've learned enough over the years that never once did I offend her. Even if um, I had to correct something, I was able to do it in a way that I made it an, um, an educational or informative uh, learning experience as opposed to your you know, making her feel like she was stupid or dumb. It was, you know, we're all, we're all learning this together. You know, she was brand new to the field and I knew that and I knew what it was like to be in her shoes. And I think sometimes that's the thing that makes the biggest difference is putting yourself in their perspective in that person's shoes. You know, it's so much easier when you can empathize with the individual, but even if you've never walked in their shoes, just trying to understand that. Um, my class right now is uh, conflict resolution. And that's one of the, the kind of cooperative um, and one of the de-escalating um, conflict techniques is seeing things from other people's perspectives. So let's circle back to right. the perspectives thing. So yes. I loved how you brought up the fact that like it can depend on your perspective of the person delivering the message. And Karen will tell you, I send her stuff all the time and I'm like, is it just me or <laughs> is like what this person is rude or like what, like, is it just, because I'm the, I have a really hard time like disconnecting from that of like, oh, I don't like this person. And then I get, and then in my head, I'm like reading a text or reading an email or reading a message of being, of them saying it with like a snarky attitude just because I don't like that person or I didn't have a great experience with that person. So Karen will tell you, I send her stuff all the time. I'm like, um, (laughs) just me. Um, And that selective perception goes on both sides. The way you speak to somebody can absolutely be tainted by your perception of them. If you're thinking, 
they're a nasty, stupid, dumb, crass individual, then you're going to, and you talk to them like they're that way, then, you know, that's, that's your delivery is what's wrong. But at the same time, like you said, you know, you could be looking at somebody, um, you know, that you don't like, and then you just automatically read into uh, their, their message. You assume things that aren't necessarily true. And I'm sure a lot of people can relate to this, hopefully. Like different environments are yes. bring out different sides of you. And then people have a different perspective of you based on the side of yourself that you're showing. And for me, like working very competitive, like I didn't, it was like almost like a poker face. Like I didn't want to lay all my cards out on the table because I didn't want to be vulnerable. Right. Um, and obviously like I'm, I feel like a completely different person. Like even people that I talk to that I used to work with, like I don't have, like, I don't, I can't even connect with you now because like, I don't, we don't have anything in common other than we used to work at the same company type of thing. Right. And that's, that's something I went through um, a little over a year ago where I kind of looked at all the relationships in my life. And if you didn't have a positive impact on my life, you don't get to be a part of my life. Obviously I don't get as much of that discretion at work <laughs> as I do in my personal life, but it's my personal life. I have absolute control over that. Um, and it's, it, it really does make a difference in just like my emotional health. Yeah. So I think, I just think like delivery in how you tell your message. I think it's so important also to know your audience, like know who you're speaking to. And if you really have such a strong impact or strong need to like make an impact with your message, like knowing how a person receives those messages is super important. And it's interesting. I was uh, taking a um, certification class, a coaching certification class, and they were talking about like a, a mirroring, mirroring technique in mm -hmm. that you kind of mirror the individual you're, you're talking to. So if they have a slower rate of speech um, to mirror that so that you, you kind of, uh, it, it ends up being more comfortable to them. And I think that would have a similar effect on if you're, if you're going to deliver a difficult message that if you know enough about the individual, you can kind of mirror them a, a, a bit and that might soften uh, the delivery so that they can hear the message. But I also think making it kind of an educational or learning process softens it too, because you're not making them necessarily feel stupid it's just we all have stuff to learn. Like I have something to learn from everybody I meet. It doesn't matter who they are, what position they are in life. I can learn something from everybody because we all have different experiences. Nobody, and I see that, and I think that's one of the issues with some uh, people in leadership. They have this mentality that because of the supervisor, they have to be the most knowledgeable on the subject. So they get offended when a subordinate knows more than they do on particular. And I've had two different supervisors treat me much more harshly right after I corrected them, essentially. Um, you know, I, I didn't do it with the intent of making them feel stupid, but it was just they had incorrect information. Um, so I had to defend why I was doing the way I was doing things. Right. And they didn't like that because I was right and they didn't like that. Uh, so there needs to be humility within leadership to understand that you don't know everything. 
And your subordinates might be the ones that know something you don't know. And it might not even be in the, in the top. It could be something in a computer-related issue, you know, when your job happens, you know, can be something completely unrelated. But they know this one little thing that they've learned the hard way, and they're sharing it with you. Not to make you feel stupid. It's to help you. Right. Well, I think, like, as a leader, you have to really drop your ego. Yes. And I, I see a lot of lack of that. And that's one of the things I would love, and I, I'm sure I will, to get my executive coaching certification um, to go along with the industrial psychology degree because you know, I, I want to be a part of a solution to make companies someplace people want to work. You know, instead of having all those memes, those office humor memes about how miserable people are, you know, in their job, I want to make those obsolete where people can't even relate to that. Yeah. Well, I mean, I feel like a lot of companies are taking cues from bigger, like Google, Ariana Huffington with like Thrive and Huffington Post. She's making Mm -hmm. huge strides. Um, Like, I feel like they're so, like there are things, I feel like the nature of the workforce is changing. But I definitely agree. I think like some of the most successful, like who was it? Was it Steve Jobs or Bill Gates who said like, hire a lazy person to do a difficult job because they'll be the ones that find like the easiest way to, or the, the easiest way to right. do something. And I, I feel like that's going, I mean, this all like ties into the bigger picture. Hopefully people are following us. Like <laughs> the bigger picture of like the millennials and the workforce is like, some, we're not lazy. I think we just get bored easier. And I think when we don't see that the work that we're doing is be, is impactful or meaningful, like that takes a lot of the joy out of our jobs for us. It's no longer just like sit at a desk and respond to emails and do all this stuff all day. Like mm-hmm. there has to be some, some heart and some soul in, in it. And we're finding like the work that I was doing, like one, I could have easily done it from home Two, mm-hmm. It didn't take me nearly as long as like they would want us to do like as long as they were like giving us timelines to do things like it would be a really fast process and then you have these like all of this red tape like the the example that I always use is when I worked for the financial institution I couldn't even email like executives my supervisor had to email the executives and I was like this is dumb like Mm -hmm. I'm perfectly capable of sending a professional polite email Right. To an executive about setting up an interview. Like, why does my supervisor need to do it? Like, again, and that would take like three or four days versus like that would have taken me three minutes to write up. Right. And I think also like the millennials and the different generations have a different perspective. They think, you know, they have a different inner, inner innovative. That's the word I'm looking for. Thought process. But some, some, of the older generations, even my generation, like I'm going to throw myself in the category, you know, have their, their set way of this is just, this is the way things are done. It doesn't have to be that way. And mm-hmm. that's what could draw in an interest, the younger generation, because now we're, we're trying their ideas, even if it doesn't work. You know, I, I've, people are so afraid of failure. Failure is a part of the process. We don't, the first time we try and walk, we don't succeed. We fall how many dozens of times, hundreds of times before we finally get it? Failure and falling are a part of the process. What makes it 
a failure really is whether or not is whether you don't get up you know when you have those failures you know what what can you learn from it what little thing can you tweak and try it differently uh thomas edison like I didn't fail 99,000 times. I found 99,000 ways not to make a light bulb. And he just kept making tweaks and tweaks and tweaks. And now we have light bulbs and electricity that, uh, you know, we get to benefit from that because he didn't give up. He kept trying. Yeah. Well, that's the thing. And I, it's so cliche. Like you have, like, that's the thing. You can't just, you can't quit. Yeah. Like if you want to be successful with something, don't quit just keep going. I mean, again, like I could have easily, there've been so many times that I could have just like thrown my hands up and been like, I'm done. It's easier for me to just go back and get a nine to five job. This isn't for me. But again, I also think that you have to like, there has to be, I can't ever articulate this, but there's like an intrinsic desire. Yeah. Desire to like make it work. And I, there's yeah. very different things. Like for me, I suck at baking. So whenever I'm baking, it's so much easier for me to be like, I'm done. <laughs> like, I'm out. I'm not trying this again. But like, if you were to tell me like, Brie, you need to learn how to like, like HTML, like you, when I taught myself code, like mm-hmm. I didn't do it because I wanted to learn about HTML. I did it because I wanted to build a website because I wanted to build a blog because I wanted to, to write. And that was just right. something that I had to do in order to like make what I wanted actually happen. But I could have easily like used that as an excuse of like, well, I don't know HTML, so I can't build a website, so I can't do this. Like, right. <laughs> you know, and I see that a lot of times. Like people, like it just cracks me up when like, you know, um, someone comes to me and they're like, I want to start a blog, but I hate writing. Like I'm a horrible writer. Um, okay, well, you're going to have to get over that. <laughs> yeah. E- either you're going to have to get over that or you're going to have to find something else to do. Yeah. But I really want to blog. I really want to do this. I really want to, you know, have a business. Then you need to learn to write. You need to learn how to write copy. Like I right. can't, I'm not a writing coach. So maybe buy one of those and then come back to me when you feel like you want to write. Right. Definitely. So it kind of went on a tangent there, but I feel like this is we all did. helpful. <laughs> I think so. I do. I think it's, I mean, it, it's, it's related in, in some respects. Um, but you have to be real with yourself, too. Yeah, self-awareness is huge. It is. And I think a lot of people don't want to. I had another fun analogy. My daughter really liked it. Um, that sometimes, like, self-awareness is, like, opening up. Like, when you, you know, when you get out of school, summer vacation starts, you throw your backpack in the closet. Woohoo! Summer vacation! September rolls around, you pull your backpack out, and you forgot you left it in there. And you open it up, and there's this nasty, disgusting, moldy science experiment. You're like, ah! And you close up the, the bag, and you put it back in your closet. I feel like that's some people and their self-awareness. <laughs> what they start to do. I love that like analogy. I love all of your analogies. <laughs> but that's so dead on. Like being self-aware so, isn't fun. You like learn a lot. It's not. You learn about all of your like quirky qualities and like qualities you don't like about yourself. But every, I think that just like, if you're fearful of self-awareness, it's like you're rooted in perfection. Cause you're like, I want to be perfect. I want to be good. Like I want people to like me. Whereas like self-aware people don't really like give a crap if and that's, someone likes and them And it or not. ties in because, <laughs> and no, they don't, but it's like, 
you have to be real with yourself. If your delivery is lacking, you have to be real and face the fact that you're the problem. Hmm. And if you're on the receiving end of it, you might not be able to fix the situation. Like there's, there's some supervisors where, you know, I've tried to come at it every which way to find a way that we communicate and I couldn't do it. And there was so much anxiety in that I, I didn't know how to do my job and she didn't know how to explain it on my level of inexperience. And I was fully, like they knew how much inexperience I had, but I was the only one willing to take the position. So they took a chance on me and after two months, I'm like, I can't, I can't do this. Like I need to be able to understand how to do my job and I need to have a resource to be able to ask. And when that person makes me feel stupid, well, why, why are you even bringing this to me? Are the things that she would say? And so I had to leave. And that was my solution to that situation. Everybody has to decide how they're going to deal with it separately when they're on the receiving end of it. Um, it might be that the person's, you know, willing to listen, but if they're not willing to listen, you might have to talk to another supervisor, like above them, um, talk to one of their peers, maybe they can talk to them. But there could be, um, you know, like a third party, like mediator that can kind of, you know, it might be somebody in HR that can kind of help who's, who's not, who doesn't skin in the game in that they can look at things from both people's perspectives, see where the breakdown's at and find some middle ground. I like that. So my last question for you mm-hmm. ties back to self-awareness. So how can someone start becoming self-aware like how do you become self-aware like what are some steps that people can take journaling is the the shortest quickest answer i can give um i'm so thankful the classes and my school i'm going to is national university and i did not expect to learn so much about myself taking these classes but I really have. They they make a lot of the projects, like there are so many self-reflection essays that kind of force you to, to dive into it. Um, so I've been fortunate in that respect, but I'm just naturally inquisitive and I ask questions. So if you're not naturally in tune to asking yourself those questions, that's where having a coach um, can help you because they can ask those questions you know, because they're, they're not doing it to give you the answers. You know, that's the difference between coaching and mentoring and therapy is that I don't have the answers. You're the expert of your life. I'm just asking the questions uh, to help you realize it. Shift right. perspective. Um, but journaling would probably be the first. Just start by writing whatever is at the top of your head. You know, almost like a volcano just explode with whatever you know is on your mind of course that will invariably be the time that (laughs) comes to mind and you're sitting there well I have nothing to write because I can't think you know it's like sometimes I have literally started off my journey that way (laughs) but I'm literally just writing what's on my mind yeah well yeah I mean I think like even when you write anything like when I write blog posts or like start doing emails and stuff like sometimes I I just like start writing like it doesn't even have to make sense I can I know I can always go back and edit um which I think is like a great analogy for just like how your delivery is like even if someone doesn't receive the message great the first time 
like follow up with them. You know, maybe you're delivering, if you don't know someone and you go in like, you know, like I know my personality can be very like overbearing sometimes and like, whoa, like I can be very polarizing. Um, mm-hmm. and like you come in like that, like people might not receive your message, but maybe you realize you learn who you're speaking to and how they like to be ta- spoken to and like how they perceive messages. And then you go back and you try again. <laughs> right. And one thing I have found recently, um, like I said, I have a teenage daughter and we, we were at odds on one particular issue. And I finally asked her, what do you think my concerns are? And I asked her to explain my position, essentially. And it ended up being the most beautiful moment because as she was explaining my position, it, she got it. So that can be one way of both people like you can share what you think their perspective is and they can share what they think your perspective is and then you can start to see where the gap really is because the gap's somewhere i love but until that. you see it yeah it it's it really has been effective and i've had a lot of people who look at me and they're like wow that's i like that idea and, you know but that's even like the, this class i'm in that's one of the things that de-escalates a situation is looking at things from other people's perspective. But a part of doing that is making sure that your perception of their perspective is actually what it is. Perfect. I love that. I love that so much. I'm definitely going to try that next time. I'm like, I don't want to say in an argument, but like <laughs> next time, like a situation that I could utilize that skill for, right. I'm going to use that. Cause I feel like that is super Super helpful yeah. um, for the other person to talk out what you're or speak out. Talk out? What am I trying to say? That's not proper English. Um, <laughs> articulate your perspective to you right. so you can see like where the gaps are or like if they're following you. Right. Absolutely. So in closing, so where can people find you on the internet? I'm going to include all of Karen's links in the episode description, but I also would like you to tell them. So my company name is Compass Life Coach. It's Compass with a K. Go along with Find Your Direction with Karen. Uh, The website is compasslifecoach.com. And then I'm also on Facebook and Instagram. Uh, Both business names are the Compass Life Coach. So it's the easiest way to to connect with me. Um, And I actually have started doing blogs and I also do do a newsletter. Um, At least a couple times a month I do a newsletter, maybe once a month my blog post. A lot of times, the papers I write, I end up posting on my blog because it's just, I think it's uh, relevant to where we're at as a society. So I have to share that. Awesome. Well, thank you so much for being here. Thank you so much for having me.